This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about settlement solutions, litigation, mediation, and structured financial security from Ringler, the largest and most experienced company of settlement consultants in the United States. Ringler has been helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by American General, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, cases involving large trucks are quite different than the standard case involving automobiles. And there are lots of specific rules and regulations surrounding commercial vehicles that a lawyer has to be very familiar with in order to represent their clients effectively. Ultimately, it's the responsibility of the commercial motor carrier to make sure its vehicles and drivers it employs meet all federal regulations to safeguard both its employees and the general driving public. And it's also the responsibility of the commercial driver to make sure he or she is in compliance with the rules. Well, today on Ringler Radio, we'll take a look at major trucking accident claims, discuss new rules and regulations affecting 18-wheelers, and the aspects of technology, insurance, and mechanics that can affect each case. And today serving as my co-host is my Ringler colleague from Alabama and from Louisiana. <laughs> I think he handles uh, most of the South is my good Ringler friend and colleague, Keith Christie. Keith has over 30 years of insurance and structured settlement experience. And with that, Keith, welcome to Ringler Radio. Great to have you back as co-host. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for being here. And Larry, thank you for inviting me to, to co-host today. Terrific. Well, joining us today as our guest is attorney Chris Glover of Beasley Allen Law Firm in Montgomery, Alabama. Chris has dedicated his practice to protecting the rights of survivors of catastrophic personal injury, as well as victims of wrongful death. He's represented injured individuals and their families in a wide range of serious injury and death claims, including those that were the result of defective products, automobile and commercial trucking, as well as workplace accidents and aviation. Chris recently wrote a book titled An Introduction to Truck Accident Claims, A Guide to Getting Started. Well, uh, Chris, that book sounds like it's the right place to start, and and it's right on point. So thanks for that, uh, Chris. Thanks for joining us here on Ringler Radio. Well, thank you so much. I am honored and thrilled to be a part of the program today. I am uh, just excited about uh, talking about trucking cases. That's what I do, and that's my passion. Well, uh, it's it sounds like it for sure, and and writing a book about it really uh, puts the uh, puts the period on that sentence. And uh, I want to congratulate you on that book. Tell us a little bit more about who you are, Chris. How you got involved in trucking litigation, and uh, and about that book. Absolutely. Well, I am uh, from Montgomery, Alabama. You, I practice with Beasley Allen Law Firm. We are based out of Montgomery, and it's where I live. Uh, my family's there with me. We uh, moved there eight years ago after practicing law in Birmingham for eight years. And uh, that's the, kind of my practice is really primarily trucking litigation. Commercial trucks is the emphasis of my practice. And that has kind of morphed over the years. I'm, I handle cases all over the country. Um, I've 
just recently, in fact, settled a case in the United States Virgin Islands in St. Mm. Thomas. It was a, a mediated the case overlooking the Caribbean. It was a great experience. But I'm <laughs> also, you know, sometimes I am in uh, less appealing places, but uh, I got a suitcase and I travel. So that's what I do. I, I kind of got into trucking cases really by by accident. I don't think that I intended to do it. It wasn't intentional by any stretch. I uh, started my practice at a boutique law firm in Birmingham that handled automotive product liability litigation. We handled a small number of really big cases and uh, worked them up. And I, I got a great experience in, you know, going against some of the best defense attorneys in the country handling some of the most complex issues imaginable, but I got a, a really great in-depth knowledge of things such as uh, accident reconstruction. I got a lot of engineering expertise, and so those are some things that I, I learned doing that, and then all of a sudden, I kind of look at my case list about six years ago, and and it's primarily trucking litigation. Surprise. So that's what yeah. I do now. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, well, that's what happens in life. Uh, you, you start to be a generalist, and all of a sudden you become uh, a much more specific uh, on a much more specific path. Absolutely. That's absolutely the case for me. Well, that's good. I wanted to um, ask you a specific question. I mean, the type of vehicle, I mean, uh, trucking accidents that you litigate, are they single vehicle accidents or are they big rig driver or passenger in an accident with 18 multiple 18 wheelers my firm handles the single event truck wreck case and those are really product liability cases the roof on the truck wasn't strong enough the cab guard was defective those type cases i don't do those as much as some of my partners do i handle more of the straight up the truck driver caused the wreck and injured a uh, you know a motorist a passenger car uh, tr- passenger truck and do the, the negligence of the truck driver, the wreck first. And so that's kind of what I do. That's more the emphasis of, of, uh, what I do in my practice, but my book co- covers both. And I, I'm certainly, uh, because of my background in auto products, very, uh, you know, knowledgeable about the product liability aspects of the single event truck case. And so we do, we do it all. Interesting, interesting. You know, uh, Chris, long hours of service and fatigue driving are two of the, the big issues right now in trucking cases. Uh, as you remember, the crash that injured that the celebrity Tracy Morgan was partially due to the driver violating the hours of service rules and uh, driving while fatigued. So talk to us about that. How, how, how often does that play a part in the cases you handle? That might be the biggest issue going in trucking litigation right now is the hours of service. Uh, issue. It's it's big in litigation. It's also big in Washington right now, and I'll I'll tell you a little bit about that later. I, I you know, it's a big issue. It goes the heart of the of the problem is goes to how truck drivers and trucking companies get paid. They both get paid on on per haul, not per hour. And and I get why they get paid that way, but that creates a huge incentive to do more, 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 more. You get two runs get two runs done in one day versus one run done in one day, you get paid twice twice the amount of money. So they they're constantly at pressure to push their drivers to drive more um, and to carry more 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 loads. I I've got a case right now pending in Alabama where 
the truck driver was seen for five hours uh, swerving down the roadway. I mean, I've got witness after witness, and nobody stops him until he finally uh, causes a huge crash, uh, and he falls asleep at the wheel. Guy's got sleep apnea way over his hours of service. Well, I'm sure that must be a heck of a case. But, you know, Chris, how do trucking cases differ from the standard car crash case? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, first off, you're starting off with an 80,000-pound vehicle. That, that's the first big difference. I mean, the the ability to cause catastrophe is far greater when you're in a, um 18-wheeler. But, you know, you've got uh, so many more regulations that apply to the trucking case that don't apply to, the, to a, an average driver. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a driver. I've got a driver's license. Nobody tells me how many hours I can drive behind the wheel. Nobody tells me that I've got to check my vehicle every day before I get in it. Nobody requires me to go get a medical exam before I got my license. Um, those are all things that are required of truck drivers. They are paid for their work. They drive longer hours typically than we do. They're, they're in an 80,000-pound vehicle. And so the federal government has an extensive list of regulations that apply to uh, trucking companies through the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. But, you know, there's a different set of standards that I think are as important, sometimes more important. And those are the industry standards that are created by the trucking industry itself. Some of the better companies have extensive manuals and regulations that apply over and above the minimum standards set by the federal government. All trucking companies should have safety standards over and above what the federal government requires because they just don't go far enough and they don't address every issue that could come up. And so as a trucking lawyer, you've got to know those. You've got to know the, the federal standards, but you also got to be aware of what the industry standards say. Hey, Chris, when, when you're handling these cases uh, and you handle so many of them and you have repeat uh, trucking companies that you deal with, have, have you been able to identify without really identifying here today, but have you been able to identify who some of the, the good carriers are that kind of follow the rules that you're talking about and some of the ones that are kind of a little bit more off the track? And, and so, therefore, when you see a defendant, you kind of automatically get a feeling for how that case might might go? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I had a case not long ago involving Werner Trucking Company, one of the largest outfits in the in the world. They're they're not just the country, the world. They're, they're a big trucking outfit. Um, they've got training on top of training on top of training. And, uh, you know, their driver made a mistake, but the company did all that it could do to uh, pr- prevent that from happening. And, you know, in the end, uh, that helped the company resolve the case probably more uh, for a better result for them mm-hmm. than it would be with some of these rogue companies that have the dangerous drivers behind the wheel. There's just a lot of pressure. Uh, for trucking companies, to, there's not enough drivers, and, and that added pressure kind of uh, influences some trucking companies to lower the uh, requirements for their drivers as well as the training, and, and it just goes downhill from there. But there is a big difference, the haves and the have-nots in trucking. Interesting. Chris, can you walk through some typical trucking cases with us, you know, or specifically one that, that you recall, and what is the strategy that comes to mind when you, when you deal with these trucking cases? Yeah, sure. From a 10,000-foot view, if you're, if you're flying over in Delta looking down at a trucking case and you want to see what's the big picture, you've got to get the, you know, whether the truck driver was at fault. 
I mean, that, and, and in that sense, it's a lot like a car wreck case. If the guy didn't run the red light, if he wasn't on the wrong side of the road, if he wasn't speeding, if he didn't, you know, drift off the roadway, if, if he didn't do anything wrong, well, it doesn't matter about anything else. Uh, you've got to first say, did a truck driver cause the accident due to his fault or negligence? And so that requires a lot of the things that I learned back as a product liability lawyer, accident reconstruction issues, investigating cases, taking witness statements, going to the scene, visiting the, visiting the vehicles, uh, talking to the troopers. But you know, you asked me earlier, how are these cases different? Here's how they're different. You also don't find whether the truck driver was at fault. You've got to find why he was at fault. And a lot of times that takes knowledge of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Regulations and those industry standards I talked about. Was fatigue an issue? Was maintenance an issue? How about training of the driver? Was it, was, how about the hiring of that driver? Was he qualified? Did he have a bad driving history? Did he have a DOT medical problem? Was his eyesight good? Or was he have a sleep apnea? Those issues require a thorough understanding of the regulations and standards that apply, and you have to be able to do discovery. And so what you're doing by learning those, you're, you're not just learning uh, something that, you know, you're not just applying these regulations and industry standards, you know, haphazard, you're doing it to find out why, why did this crash happen? Um, and a lot of times, a lot of times it goes back to the company. The company itself is, uh, not doing what it should have done on the, on, on the front end, uh, to make sure that this driver had was in the best position to be safe. Well, you know, uh, Chris, there always seem to be some new regulations and rules surrounding commercial vehicles that crop up, and lawyers need to be aware of all that to better serve their clients. My understanding is there's there are new federal rules that, that are being promulgated. One of them uh, recently is going to require passengers in commercial trucks to wear seatbelts. Uh, tell, tell us about that. It's, I, I think it's surprising to a lot of people that seatbelts were not required already and maybe that was a state issue and now the federal government's getting involved but tell us about how some of these new federal rules are going to be affecting uh your your litigation well you know when you have you seatbelt laws per state a lot of those apply you know to front seat drivers some of them drive apply to front seat pastures some of them apply to rear seat and then you've got different aspects of trucks that don't apply to states do you have a uh, sleeper berth. Can somebody ride back there? Those are all things that the states are not really as well equipped to handle as the federal government. So there's a study that came out in 2015, I believe, that showed that passengers in commercial trucks were far less likely to wear a seatbelt than uh, than drivers or passengers in, in other vehicles. And so they ask why. And a lot of that has to do with the sleeper berth option. You can ride back there. While you're, uh, and so the federal government knows, hey, seatbelts save lives. And so they mandated that if you're in a vehicle that's moving, you've got to have, a, as a passenger, you've got to have on your seatbelt. And that's a good thing. But they're constantly updating the standards for uh, trucks. One of the big things, there's a huge tug of war right now going on over the hours of service. You've got the trucking industry that would love to deregulate trucking and allow their drivers to drive as much as they wanted. 
And then you've got consumer safety groups that are wanting to keep regulations on. And, and there's a big push right now to change the hours of service regulations to allow truck drivers to drive longer hours. And so you do, you got to stay abreast of what's happening in this. And, and, uh, you know, I have a moral obligation. I feel like to fight, to fight for those consumers out there. And then, so I wrote a letter, um, to Congress, several letters to my congressman about the hours of service regulations and, and those are things I do in my practice. Well, you know what? I can imagine, uh, like like many, many, many other issues, politic, politics gets in the way up in Washington and over all those issues. And you, you find the loggerheads, uh, you know, keeping progress from being uh, enacted. So keep on top of those congressmen, uh, Chris. I think that's important. Uh, I, I, that's exactly what we all should be doing. Well, let's take a break right now and be back right in a minute, right here on Ringo Radio with our guest and our co-host. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio, brought to you from Ringler, the nation's leading provider of fair settlement solutions. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler advisors work with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. Everybody wins. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio, celebrating more than a decade of podcasting and over 2 million listeners. Think of Ringler, the objective settlement advisors with more than 140 consultants in 60 cities nationwide. Visit ringlerassociates.com today. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best, most objective financial plan. You can count on Ringler Advisors to create a customized plan that meets the financial needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn more. Welcome back to Ringler Radio, everyone. Glad you could join us. My co-host, Keith Christie, is here, along with our special guest, attorney Chris Glover from the Beasley Allen Law Firm in Montgomery, Alabama. Well, Chris, according to uh, new reports by the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, uh, the number of fatal crashes involving the big rigs, the tractor trailers and the buses, et cetera, they've actually fallen. Uh, t- they've taken a fall. You know, they've, they've decreased. Uh, tell us about that uh, and what that says to you about the, uh, the future. Well, I'm excited about it. That that was after several years of increase, and to see the decrease was promising that, hey, we're going the right direction. The things we're doing are working. The regulations the federal government are doing are working, but also the, the push in litigation to make trucking companies safer. It's all helping, and we're seeing a drop in lives are saved, and I'm very excited about that. I, I believe it's a, it's a testament to companies who are doing a better job of training their employees, hiring safe drivers. They are doing a better job of keeping their equipment well-maintained, and they're putting safe, well-maintained trucks on the roadway. Well, you know, uh, anytime you have a 5% drop in uh, in auto accidents and, and big big rig crashes uh, one year over the other, uh, that, that bodes well for the future. So uh, what you guys are doing uh, is helping, and no question about that, and uh, we're, all, we're all happy about that. Thank you. Chris, I need to um, ask you one final question. And can you talk more about the elements of a trucking accident case? 
example, the technology, the insurance, the mechanics, and other aspects of the case that affect the um, the outcome of your 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 investigation. Yeah, sure. I, you know, we were just talking about how crashes fail, and then you know, technology uh, is, I believe, a big reason why technology in these cases are is changing. I mean, really, while we're on the phone, um, we've got halogen headlights now on tractor trailer vehicles, almost standard equipment. Those headlights are far better with uh, to see further down the roadway to avoid crashes at night. We've got lane departure uh, safety devices that keeps that vehicle on the roadway. We've got collision avoidance technology that will actually break a truck even if the driver's asleep. You know, we've got backup cameras now, standard, and and it won't be long before trucks are driving themselves. Uh, we've got the technology exists. A fleet of tractor trailers just went across, uh, just went across Europe all by themselves with no drivers. And so we've got uh, we've got that. But you know, insurance right now, the federal government mandates seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for trucks, commercial trucks. That's too low. Uh, but you know, here's an issue that's going to come up. I think it's interesting. We're all dealing with it now. Is what happens when the trucks drop themselves? What happens to insurance? Is are you going to insure the truck? Are you going to insure the company? Are you going to insure the driver? The driver's not doing anything today. We're insuring drivers, um, but uh, drivers in the future won't have anything to do with getting a vehicle down the roadway. And so, insurance issues are changing even as we speak. That whole industry is trying to figure out what are we going to do when cars drive themselves. i got to tell you, that that that's, scares the hell out of me. I don't know. Maybe I'm old-fashioned, but uh, see, seeing a driverless car coming down. You know, the only time I ever saw a driverless car coming down the road when I was in South Florida and there was a woman that was too short. I couldn't see her over the, <laughs> over the seat. <laughs> and that's well, you know, that too. Tesla, the Tesla <laughs> crashed into an 18-wheeler. Oh, I believe uh, me. Believe yeah. me. That was, a, that was a tragedy, no question about it. It was a tragedy. No question. Well, Chris, before, before I close by asking you a little bit about your book, because uh, I do want you to talk about that, let me, let me just give you a couple of comments that, that we hear along the way here. And one of them is, I'd just like to get your point of view, that a, a lot of lawyers tell me that jurors on cases involving these big rigs, these big semi-trucks, almost have somewhat somewhat akin to motorcycles, ha- have a kind of a built-in impression already in their minds as they've driven along roads and had these big tractor trailers come whizzing by them on the highway. Do you find that jurors uh, are, c- come to cases like this with a, with a little built-in uh, impression against the big truckers? It can be the case. I mean, I, I had a defense lawyer friend when I lived in Birmingham. He didn't believe that there was ever a good uh, plaintiff's case and his wife kind of went along step with him on those thoughts and we talked about trucks one day and I could just tell her fear of those trucks kind of translated into uh, translated into uh, her kind of bias against them I mean but I think a lot of people have had you know difficult experiences or scary experiences on the roadway with 18 wheelers and that may influence them a little bit but you know, our job job as as lawyers is to get fair and impartial juries, and um, and I haven't seen a problem getting a good jury, but I, I do believe that that's a, that is an issue. Interesting, interesting. Well, let's give you an opportunity now to talk a little bit about your book. Uh, 
an introduction to truck accident claims, a guide to getting started. What made you decide to write the book and what inspired you about it? And and where can our listeners find the book? Because it sounds like a, a book that a lot of us might want to take a look at. Well, thank you. I, you know, this is really the truth. I, I teach Sunday school at my church and what I found teaching Sunday school or working up a case or, you know, whatever, is that when I, I have to present a case in court or, or present a lesson in Sunday school, I spend many more hours learning about what I'm going to be talking about outside of that, you know, setting than I do actually teaching it. Um, and so, you know, writing the book for me was kind of a, uh, a, arose out of my passion of learning about trucking litigation. You know, I spent, you read the book and you could read the book. It's a few hundred pages. You can read it, you know, in a short amount of time, I spent months writing it, months researching it. I learned so much more about trucking litigation, writing it. So that just the passion for learning kind of fueled the, the wanting to write the book. But, you know, in the end, um, I wrote the book because I wanted people to do these cases the right way. You know, a lot of trucking cases are handled, um, are, they stop when they say whether the truck driver was right or wrong, whether he was right or wrong. Did he run the red light? Did he speed? And they're not getting to the why. Why did he do that? Why, was he, why did he run off the road? Was it because he was fatigued? Was it because he had a medical problem? Um, those are the issues that I wanted truck truck lawyers to dig into, delve into, and get to the bottom of. And I believe this book helps. This book helps identify those issues that, that help answer the why question. And so I'm hoping that people enjoy it. I've got a lot of great feedback on the book so far. It's a free book, so uh, there's no reason not to get it. Uh, you can get it at Chris Glover dash law.com and you can download a free copy or you can contact me at Beasley Allen law firm in Montgomery and I'll send you a hard copy. Uh, be glad to do that. Well, that's t- terrific. And, and the concept okay. of, and the concept of, uh, research and, and learning, uh, I think is a good lesson for all of us. A lot of us talk about a lot of subjects, maybe without a lot of the background learning that, that should have gone into it beforehand. So that's a good lesson for all of us. Well, I think next time I'm over in the, in the Montgomery area, I'm going to stop by Chris, we'll go to lunch and you can, um, you can give me one of your books. I'd like to, I'd like to read it. I would love that. I, I, that would be a joy to me. All right. Chris, and, and Keith, Keith, make sure you grab one for me too. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, good. I will do. Hey, uh, so before we end, uh, Chris, if someone wanted to get a hold of you uh, to talk to you about a, a case that may have come up, something about a trucking issue, or or even to talk to you about your book or whatever, how would they get a hold of you? What's the best way to do that? Well, uh, you can call me, Beasley Outlaw Firm at 334-269-2343, or you can send an email, chris.glover at beasleyallen.com. And would love the opportunity to sit down and talk with anybody who's got a truck wreck case. If I can help them in any way, I'd love to. Terrific. And and Keith, if someone wanted to talk to you, how would they do that? The best way is on myself. It's area code 504-616-6263. Or my email address is kchristie at ringlerassociates.com. Or you can go to the Ringler webpage um, and search for Keith Christie and you'll find it. Yeah, I think I think you will, and I think yeah, if if you spotlight a couple of states down there, I think you'll find Keith's name. So uh, <laughs> it's a it's a good thing to do, and I encourage everyone to go to the Ringler Associates dot uh, com web webpage, uh, 
It's terrific. It's got a lot of great information. And uh, as, as Keith said, you can identify and find any of the Ringler Associates all around the country to help you with a structured settlement uh, in your case. And, and uh, Chris, I know that sometimes in, in resolving the litigation you're involved with, structured settlements play a part as well. So uh, we thank you for that as well. With that, I want to say, everybody, uh, go out and have a great day. And don't forget, listen to Ringler Radio. You can find it on ringlerradio.com, ringlerassociates.com, legaltalknetwork.com, or on iTunes, where you can download and listen at your leisure. But uh, whatever you do, the key word is go listen, because as Chris said, The more you learn about a subject, the better you're going to be when you have to make a decision about it. And, Chris, that was good information. That was good advice. Thanks again for joining us, Keith and uh, Chris. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Larry, thank you for being uh, a gracious host. Thank you both so much. This was a a great experience. Thanks, Chris. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Celebrating more than a decade of podcasting and over 2 million listeners. Think of Ringler, the objective settlement advisors with more than 140 consultants in 60 cities nationwide. Visit ringlerassociates.com today. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.